Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Shea butter and popcorn, the final season. Let's get it. 最終シーズンのシーバターとポップコーン。ブルーズカリテイポップコーンの ultima stagione。Sit back, relax, and listen. Friday's gonna have you glistening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now live. Welcome to Shea butter and popcorn. With Taj and Chels, season five, episode seven. Shea butter and popcorn is the podcast where your neighborly film fanatics review our favorite films and shows. This is where real life and cinema intersect. My name is Chelsea, aka Chels. I'm a singer, actor, blogger, podcaster, and an all-around movie lover. And it's your girl Tajiana, also known as Taj, also actor, director, lover of black stories, black narratives, black everything. Welcome, or welcome back. This is one take wood. If an actor knows anything at all, it's how to make an exit. Period. That's it. They know when to leave.、Um, an actor can find success, but can want to walk away generally from the glitz and glamour of it all. I think of musicians like Lauren Hill, you know, who was a huge star in her own right, and then also with the Fugees, who decided to go away for a while and come back in her in her own way, which was so dope. Or the Matilda star Mara Wilson, who Tajiana talked about before a few seasons ago. And even with the allure and temptation of Hollywood, it's imperative to just follow your hearts when it comes to the arts. You know,、um, this business can be very fickle, and you have to do it because you love it. So you got to follow your heart. That's it. That's it. When it comes to the arts, that's what you have to do.、Um, the first person I think of <laughs> to talk about one take wood is Karen Parsons from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Hillary Banks. She was so hilarious. She was obviously a little ditzy, but she had a heart of gold. She、just、was always right. She was always there. You know, when they were in their shenanigans and all that, when Will was getting into stuff, she was always right there.、Um, she ended up settling down with her director husband after successful series run of six seasons of The Fresh Prince, which you can stream on HBO Max today. And you know, she decided to.、Uh, Do something else, and so she totally pivoted from Hollywood. I think of Frankie Muniz from Agent Cody Banks series and Malcolm in the Middle, Big Fat Liar.、Um, I know that he had been sick; he suffered some illnesses, but he was spending most of his time being a race car driver, and I thought that was really cool. I was like, "Wow, fascinating!" He seems to be doing great now. He's selling vinegar and oils, and that's his new his new shtick. So I was like, "Okay."、Um, Cary Grant, who we spoke about before, movies like People Will Talk and A Fair to Remember, That Touch of Mink, North by Northwest, and other famous films. He famously retired in 1966 to run a cosmetics line company. Now that one got me. I was like, "What?" <laughs> He's just like, you know, what? I want to sell makeup. And、so、random. That's it. So random. So those were a few where I was like, "Wow, okay." So they decided to, you know, do something different, not necessarily, you know, throw in the towel, as it were, because I think you can have something that you love and 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 do and full force, but at the same time, you find different purposes as you mature in life and you find new dreams. And these people found new dreams. I thought that was cool. We're also going to be talking about this week books that we wish were movies. But before we get started, Taj, you let me know what yours are. Yeah, those are some good ones. I'm always like wondering how this transpires. Like, what makes the actor, you know, not continue down that path, especially having such a prominent role in a film or TV show?、Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few、um, that I 
found, um, I didn't realize that uh, Peter Ostrom, uh, who played Charlie Bucket um, in 1971, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, um, after the film, um, he was basically 12 years old when he was selected um, by talent agents for Willy Wonka. And, you know, he said even though he enjoyed the experience of shooting the film, he opted not to sign a three film contract um, when it was over. So um, he had a career in film and, and theater um, and became, you know, reluctant to speak about his one starring role. Um, so he, you know, began in 1990 talking to children in schools about the film and he um, became a subject of interest again when the 2005 um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, film was was released to theaters. Um, so he returned um, to shooting, um, and but he also was particularly inf- uh, influenced by the veterinarian that tended to them. And so then he went on to receive his doctorate of veterinary um, medicine from Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. Oh, wow. So um, he practiced and lived in Lowville, New York with his wife and two children. Um, and I just thought that was so interesting because I was like, it's crazy how he became interested in something else by sparking, you know, another passion got sparked by being on set and being in another one of his passions. So that's one of them, which is super wild. Um, Hayden Christensen, um, I think that, so, and some of them are not just one film. Maybe they did a few things here and there and they were building momentum and then all of a sudden they kind of disappeared or didn't start, you know, they started to book less and less work. Um, in 2000, uh, Christensen, he was 19 years old and he was selected ahead of 1500, um, possible candidates to play Anakin Skywalker. Um, so as we know, the youth who would become dark, uh, oh, excuse me. Let me go back. Um, oh, so back in 2000, um, Christensen was 19 years old and he was selected ahead of 1500, um, possible candidates to play Anakin Skywalker. And he would, as we know, go on to become Darth Vader in George Lucas's Star Wars prequels. So, uh, uh, you know, some screen time for sure. Um, There's some interesting commentary. Um, The Canadian was chosen, said Lucas, because he had the physical and emotional attributes to play the character at perhaps the most complex stage of the the character's life. So, the response of the audience is kind of what sometimes, you know, propels these actors either forward or knocks them backward. And audiences felt differently from Lucas kind of mocking Christensen's acting and the awkwardness of his romantic scenes with Natalie um, Portman's um, character. Um, But he went on to give a critically well-received turn in 2003's Shattered Glass and appeared in 2008's Jumper. Um, So, um, and that was alongside um, uh, fellow Star Wars alum Samuel L. Jackson. But he has kept a low profile since, although working semi-consistently. So it's very interesting of like, you have this really big role, especially within this like franchise of like, you have an opportunity to, you know, go th- very far in terms of like, you know, they're going to make movie after movie after movie within this franchise, but how an audience's reaction can kind of, put you on a lower radar 
It's very interesting. I remember that. that. Jumper was, yeah, Jumper was a great film. It was fun. It was different. I remember it. I remember Shattered Glass. I actually saw that again recently. Um, But um, I remember the prequel backlash because a lot of people were just like, ah, we don't like these prequels. We don't know, like, what they're trying to do with it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I remember it. It's unfortunate because it is such a huge, you know, yeah. business in a conglomerate franchise like that that has so much strength behind it and for it not to be well received by audiences it's like oh man that's unfortunate oh man <laughs> look because like put a rating on imdb google users and rotten tomatoes no that would be what if we oh wow that would be terrible terrible if it was um just for actors like just the actors themselves like ratings that would be insane yeah. uh that would be i would never check mine um no. But <laughs> moving on to the last one, um, the lovely and beautiful Shannon Elizabeth. Um, she was actually born in Houston. Ooh. Shout out Texas. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Made quite an impression in 1999's American Pie as Nadia, supposed to be the sexy Slovakian exchange student um, uh, with whom Jason Biggs, Jim, never manages to have sex. So it was a role um, that she would reprise in 2001's American Pie 2, and then she was back again in 2012's American Reunion. So uh, she did land some other roles, though. So she had small roles in Scary Movie and Love Actually, though um, the series didn't open many doors. And so they're saying that this is probably why, um, you know, after that point in her career, she um, kind of became an animal rights activist um, through her nonprofit organization, Animal Avengers, super fun name. Um, And in 2018, she gave reality TV a try with the um, first U.S. installment of Celebrity Big Brother, and she finished in ninth place. So I thought that was also interesting of like how once, you know, the one take or small takes, you know, can kind of like propel them downward. It's like then they try, you know, several different things and start to get into different interests um and so you don't only know them as an actor but you also know them in these other capacities which i think is like their experience is going to be way different than somebody who is literally just a very well-known actor and that's what they do rather than somebody who like yeah i did the acting thing didn't really go you know as expected or didn't take off the way maybe that they imagined but not now you know i did this small role here and now i also work here and i do this and i do that so i thought that was very interesting but yeah that's cool. Yeah, it's very, very interesting how that happens. And, you know, you never, I mean, obviously, it's your life to live. We never know always the real reason behind why somebody would do that, even if somebody would write a tell all and, and say what it is, you know, because at the same time, it's like it's, it's your life, it's their life, and they can, you know, do with it <laughs> what you want, you know, and just do what makes you happy. That's the goal. You have to do what makes you happy. Now, I am so excited to flip the page, pardon the pun. We're going to talk about (laughs) books we wish were movies. Oh, my gosh. Because this this here, like, this is like, okay. Obviously, there's so many great books that were turned into huge franchises like Harry Potter, Twilight series, Hunger Games. I mean, Stephen King's It, you know, there's so many. The list goes on. But there's so many books that I'm like, this would be a great film. Okay, when I was little, here I am telling myself, I loved books like Junie B. Jones, right? 
or in the days of Abby Hayes or Amelia's Notebook. Okay. Um, but those are some honorable mentions. But Amber Brown, Miss Amber Brown, she got me. Okay. She got me. Amber Brown book series by Paula Danzinger. The way she just had to grow up fast due to different circumstances, and she was so wise beyond her years, and this was like a slice-of-life book series. Like, her parents are going through a divorce, okay? She's, you know, adjusting to her mother's uh, new boyfriend, and all this other stuff, and it's like, either Amber Brown sees red, that book, or the first installment, Amber Brown is on a crayon, are perfectly affable choices for a movie. I would love to see that, especially as a children's film. I'm just like, yes, Disney, somebody, pick this up, please? Hello? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Next no, up, seriously, please, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Saving Juliet by Suzanne Selfers. This is another one of my favorites. I reread it this past summer after finding it online and taking it home. Like I gotta buy this book. I can't, couldn't find it. I remember reading it growing up. I loved it. So Manhattan meets Verona. Okay, and this time bending twist on Shakespeare. All my Shakespeare lovers out there. When Mimi Wallingford is magically thrust into the middle of Shakespeare's Verona, she must find a way to help Juliet fight for her future happiness. Will she be able to give this classic tragedy a happy ending? I mean, she has Troy Summer along for the ride, who she loathes, but maybe she likes a little bit. I'm not going to give it away. And then Benvolio is also at her heels, who's trying to romance her. This is such a fun book. Uh, how they're trying to save Juliet and try to, you know, stop Romeo and Juliet from, like, meeting and falling in love because then they, you know, the tragic. Yeah. And it's just it's so... Very interesting. It's so funny. And also, she's... Uh, the book starts, she is, like, this heir to the Wallingford Theater and she's an actress there and her parents own the theater and her great-grandmother. And so she's actually doing Romeo and Juliet on stage and they get whisked away into the actual Verona back in that era and it's it's so funny but this is a great book it's a comedy it has some many great moments so that's something I would love to see on screen because when you read it it's like you could see it as a film personally um last up for me is Sister Wife by well almost I have two more Sister Wife by Shelley I hope I don't mess this up ooh Herd Slitschka Okay, so in the isolated rural community of unity, the people of the movement live a simple life guided by a set of religious principles and laws that are unique to them. Polygamy is the norm. Strict obedience is expected, and it is customary for young girls to be assigned to much older husbands. Celeste is born and raised in unity, but she struggles to fit in because of Taviana, the girl who's come to live with them and entertain Celeste with forbidden stories, or John, the young man she has clandestine meetings with, who she likes, or maybe it's the influence of Craig, the outsider she meets on the beach. Whatever it is, she struggles to accept her ordained life. At 15, she's repulsed at the thought of being assigned to an older man and becoming a sister wife, and she knows for certain she's not cut out to raise children. She wants something more for herself. She doesn't want to live like this, but she feels powerless to change her destiny because of her rebelling would bring shame upon her family so this is such a great book i mean honestly she's pushed to think outside the box and she's trying to find her way out you know and she doesn't want to bring shame dishonor dishonor on your whole family but at the same time she wants something more for herself uh, this is a great novel i'd love I really like to see you know this on screen so last up for me is the skin i'm in by sharon g flake this is my all-time favorite book. Legit. 
all time. All time. I love this book. I loved it as a little girl. It's so good. Um, my older sister, when she released her novel, Quiet Whispers, got to interview uh, Miss Sharon. Uh, and this novel is so good because it's about Miss Saunders. Um, Saunders is, uh, she has a skin condition. So her skin is blotched. You know, she um, serves as a mirror to Malika Madison, who has a struggle against the burden of low self-esteem that many black girls face when they're darker skin. And so it's about Malika's story and how Miss Saunders is like a shining light and a mentor to her. Um, She's tough. And through this, Malika learns to stand up to tough talking Charlize and other bullies. And I think this would be an amazing watch. And it talks about colorism in the black community and it's a beautiful story. I love this. I love this. Skin I'm in. Skin I'm in is beautiful. So I think this is a great, great movie. So that's it for me. Taji, let me know what yours are. Yes, I love those. I'm definitely about to read that. I also was cracking up because my mom's name is Celeste. And then the character, the character's <laughs> name, and you're talking about sister wife. Also, you. I feel like that was a good try of pronunciation of the last name of author. Um <laughs> But my mom's first name is Celeste, and with my name being Tajiana, and I saw that, and I was like, was Chelsea trying to type my name? <laughs> literally, the name of the character is just, it, it's similar-ish, yeah. um, which is so funny. Um, yes. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Taviana. Taviana. <laughs> me. Right? Me. I'll just change my name right now. Yeah. Um, I'll have two first names, Tajiana, Tajiana, do it. Um, Blues for Nightmares. Give it up for Lori Feria Stolarz. She is a freaking talented author. I read this in high school. I think it was just like the cover art entranced me. Um, it says Blues for Nightmares in this interesting font. It has a candle um, with like blue overcast. And I'm like, what is this? Completely, completely great series. Red is for remembrance. There's um there, there are just so many colors in it. And it just all it all makes sense. Uh and I'm reliving the glory days right now. Um yes. but it is a series um that is a it's a young adult mystery novel. Um and it uh basically follows the adventures of Stacy Brown. Um, and she is a 16-year-old junior at a boarding school, and she's a young witch with psychic powers. So it's a hereditary thing, you know, folk magic practitioner through her grandmother. So she wants to have a normal high school experience, but that's all hindered when she starts out terrifying nightmares about the death of her best friend and roommate, Brea. I will share that and not too much else, because I don't want to spoil the book for y'all. But... <laughs> Um, it's not the first time that she's had these prophetic nightmares. So um, it, it goes through kind of all of her thought processes, um, thought processes around um, all the terrifying things that have happened to her and people in her life. And um, it, it also, um, you know, is like convenient timing of like, why am I having these dreams now? You know, who would be the key to solve this supernatural mystery of, you know, why this person is gone and why this person is gone. And so, it's just a great mystery book, a great mystery series. I used to stay up all night reading these and would get no sleep. Um, and I absolutely love it. So I would love to turn Blues for Nightmares into um, either a TV show 
I feel like it would be better as a TV show than a movie, in my personal opinion, like hanging on the edge of your seat each episode, like breaking it up that way. But it would be cool as a, as a film too, um, splitting up the, the books as films. So there's that, Blue is for Nightmares. Um, I believe that you can get it um, on Amazon. So um, I recommend getting the paperback because it just looks so cool. Um, next is our favorite from, from the, the author. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Octavia Butler. Um, I love Parable of the Sower. Um, it's a 1993 science fiction novel. Um, and basically, um, as if you're familiar with Octavia Butler's work, um, this is kind of like, you know, she writes in the realm of science fiction and social issues, which y'all know I love. And so it's an apocalypse science fiction novel um, that uh, provides commentary on climate change and social inequality. Um, and the novel follows uh, Lauren Alamina in her quest for freedom. Um, I would love to turn all of Octavia Butler's books into um, films. Uh, you know, I believe that science fiction and um, Black women as leads is my new favorite genre. <laughs> so um, I, I believe that that one, as well as, um, you know, having her other works, you know, that are very popular, like um, Kindred also, you know, incorporates time travel. Um, you know, I think it's like this little girl goes back in time, see what slavery is like. And like, it's just so cool. Um, I believe that they actually are, um, I believe they're actually turning um, or just turned Kindred into a movie. So I'm very excited. Like the momentum is there. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very excited for that. I don't know. I don't think it's related, but I just remember the name Kindred movie that came out. So I'm very interested to see Octavia Butler's work be transformed into um, visual form. I believe that with the right cinematography and like just complete lighting design and, and everything, I feel like, those beautiful performances, like, I just know that it, it, it would be great. So, yeah. you know, keep a lookout for me. Might get the rights, rights from the family, you know, make a script from the book. Um, but I love it. So please go buy that book if you have not already. Um, and you can get that from Goodreads as well as Amazon. My final choice, Homegoing um, by uh, Ganyan. Um, American novelist, Ya, um, I hope I don't pronounce this incorrectly, but um, Gayasi, um, I believe that's how you say it, but um, Ya, beautiful, beautiful story. Um, and I think that you know that your stuff is good when you literally have a quote from Tanahasi Coates saying that it's an inspiration, another goat of an author. Yeah. Um, so it's just a beautiful novel. Um, it actually um, is her debut novel that was published in, in 2016. And at the age of 26, she won all these um, awards for it. So um, shout out to her. Um, the book is amazing. Um, Homegoing is a, is a historical fiction novel. Um, and each chapter in the novel follows a different descendant of an Asante woman. Um, um, also starting with her two daughters who are half sisters separated by circumstance. Um, with, you know, uh, the marriage. Um, so that while um, I believe it is um, Effia, while her half-sister Essie is held captive in the dungeons below, um, the British governor 
um, is in charge of Cape Coast Castle and she marries James Collins. Um, so it's very interesting um, and I can't wait to finish it. It's a very interesting um, plot. Um, so I recommend going to watch it. Um, it was selected in 2016 for the National Book Foundation's Five Under 35 Award and, and many others. So congratulations to her. These are some good books that I would love to see on screen. I think that they would just be beautiful, beautiful pieces. So very interesting. But go read them. And hopefully soon with my doing, you'll watch them. <laughs> yes. I but love yeah. Speak on it. I love that so much. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that could be um illustrated on screen so beautifully you know and you think of like also another novelist i love tony morrison and mm. her books like I, I know beloved was a movie but also like mm-hmm. the bluest beloved. eye right the bluest eye or tar baby mm-hmm. and so many great ones where it's like oh i'd love to see that on screen as well as good mention right um, but yeah, most of these books, you can get them. You should be able to get them all on like Goodreads or Amazon. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, Th- let us know what kind of book you would like to see turn into a movie Ooh. or a poem you think could be turned into a script. I'm mm. reading poetry lately and I've been reading a whole lot of Rumi. He's like my favorite poet. And so, mm. you know, he has some cool stuff too. So let us know, please. We want to hear from you guys. Yes, tell us what books you what books you've been reading, what books you feel like could be like a film or a TV show. Wanna yeah, know? Yeah, there's the, the possibilities are endless. Thank you all for listening. Next week is our Halloween episode. <laughs> We're gonna discuss movies with a case of mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. And some films we just don't like. So <laughs> We're going to call this Films We Wish We Forgot. <laughs> oh, I'm going to burn it from my memory. Hmm. Please. Sorry, guys. I can't. I can't. It's too much. It's like the bad seed. Uh, follow us on social media to stay updated on this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shea Butter Pop, on Instagram at Shea Butter Popcorn, or follow us individually. You can follow me at Chelsea J Music on Twitter or Instagram. And you can follow me at Tajana Tweets on Twitter and at Tajana on Instagram. Let us know what you want. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Go ahead and blow up our DMs, the comments, everything. We will hear from us next week. Peace.